Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Well, we are continuing our Church in the Wild series today. We are the church today. This is church. That's where you are. We are gathered together. But we are also the church tomorrow and Tuesday and like all the days of the week, no matter where you are, whether you are at work or at school or at home or at business or sports fields or volunteering, whatever our hands find to do, we are actually the church all throughout our world and in our daily lives. So that's what this Church in the Wild series is. Maybe your life is wild. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Sometimes it feels like my life is wild and then others not so much. But um, we're basing this series on a book called The Symphony of Mission and it really impacted us as a staff and we're feeling like it's time to share how it impacted us with you. But it's all about playing our part in God's work in the world and really ties in with what Mike just shared. You know, we all have a gift to play and it's very different. And if we look at somebody else and say, you're not doing what I'm doing, you're not doing it well, you know, that's not how God's created us to be. We've all got a different part to play in God's work in the world. You know, we say our core purpose often to be with Jesus That is what we're doing right now, is having that time to be in his presence together. Because he shapes us into his, the image of his son, right? We are to become like Jesus. We don't just want more of us. We want Jesus through us. And so that we can carry on the mission of Jesus to our world. And you know, he has a mission And we are part of that. We are co-workers with God. And so our mission, so we're looking at part two. Last week was part one. You'll need to go back and watch it if you missed it. Um, But this quote from the Symphony of Mission, it says, Displaying the love of Christ by washing the feet of the world, sacrificing for others so that they might see a living analogy of God's love. And that's really what I want to talk to us about today is this is part of our mission is the way that we wash the feet of the world. So how does our world encounter the love of God? How does it, if we are not his representatives in our world, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our lives, if we're not his representative, how will the world encounter the love of God? You know, this this phrase, washing the feet of the world. This comes from Jesus' act of incredible sacrifice and love when he washed his disciples' feet. You know, he loved the disciples through serving them. And in Jesus' culture, sandaled feet, like in the desert with no running water, this was not Jesus having like a foot fetish moment. No, he was serving. He was taking the most disgusting, the caked on muddy feet of his disciples and, sh- and taking on the role of a servant. Maybe the, one of the lowest roles in their culture was the person who was washing the feet was the lowest rung on the ladder. And Jesus took that spot. The, like he knew who he was. He was the son of God, came to rescue and restore the world. He wasn't like sitting on the throne saying, you wash my feet. No, he took on the job of a servant and washed the feet of his friends. And so we're going to look at John 13 today. 
and see how we can um, how we can wash the feet of our world. So in John 13, in this account of Jesus' life, it says, I, I love this verse, it says, from beginning to end, Jesus' days were marked by his love for his people. From beginning to end, from the moment he rose in the, in the morning to the moment he went to sleep, his days were marked by his love for people. And Jesus stood up from dinner, removed his outer garments, wrapped himself in a towel, poured water in a basin and began to wash the feet of his disciples, drying them with his towel. And he has this really interesting conversation with Peter. As Peter's like, no, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And he's like, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing. This is not just, I'm not just cleaning your feet. I'm serving you. I'm loving you. And he's like, You'll, you don't get it right now, but you will. And Peter's like, no, you're never going to wash my feet. And so then Jesus is just kind of like, well, you know, if you won't let me serve you, if you won't let me clean you, if you won't let me wash you, then you'll have nothing to do with me. And Peter, you know, we learn a little bit of Peter's character. He's a bit brash. And he's like, fine, then wash everything. I want my hair washed. I want, like, I might as well just have a bath right now. Like, you got to get every bit of dirt off me. And Jesus is like, okay, you missed the point again, Peter. But uh, just let me wash your feet. And so... Jesus washes Peter's feet, knowing that within a few short hours, Peter was going to deny that he even knew him. But Jesus, knowing that, Jesus, that Peter was going to deny him, he washed his feet. Jesus washed Judas's feet. And again, in the verses we see, Jesus knew Judas was already, had already decided to betray him. So he knew Judas was going to betray him. And he washed his feet. He washed the other disciples' feet. These friends who, who he expected to be his like ride or die friends. You were with me to the end. And I, he knew that they were going to forsake him in his deepest moment of need. Jesus was deliberately washing the feet of the people who were about to hurt him terribly. In spite of their unworthiness. And this gets me, as you can tell, I wear my emotions on my face. But I don't know if you've experienced the pain of betrayal. It hurts. It sucks. If you've ever felt abandoned by someone in your time of need, if you've ever been lied about or disappointed in people, like I feel like we've all probably got a painful story that comes to mind. It doesn't make me want to wash anybody's feet. It makes me want to go home and go to bed and maybe hide for a few days, hide from the people's. You know, we have a gut reaction. Oh, yeah, thank you. They did give me Kleenex because they know. But we need the whole box. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. You know, Jesus knew what was coming, and he chose to make this extravagant display of love. And sometimes we miss it because we don't go around washing each other's feet. This is not part of our daily life. We don't have servants. We don't, you know, expect them to wash. We also have running water, thank the Lord, and shoes and socks. Like our feet are just in such a better place than they used to be. But this was a radical act of love. It was a radical act of love. And so in, for some ways for us, it's, it's a metaphor. And we kind of need to put ourselves in that culture to understand the depth of it. But he sees the filth and corruption of our world. And he doesn't turn away. 
He doesn't say, oh, that's somebody else's job. He doesn't leave us to clean up our own mess and our own brokenness and say, would you come to me when you've got your act together, please? He sees dirty feet and he sees a chance to wash them. He sees sin in us and he sees it as an opportunity to forgive and redeem. He sees the pain and the filth of our lives and sees it as an opportunity to extend God's kingdom through an expression of love and humility and service. Now Jesus goes on to say, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and truly that is who I am. So if your Lord and teacher washes your feet, then you should wash one another's feet. You know, he doesn't just do this for us, but he invites us in to imitate him as well. He says, I am your example. Keep doing what I do. I tell you the truth, a servant is not greater than the master, and those who are sent are not greater than the one who sends them. If you know these things and you put them into practice, you will find happiness. Anyone else on our search for happiness? This is where we find it. The servant role is a place where we experience great joy. You know, this last training session that Jesus has with his disciples, the last training session, I suppose, before he goes to the cross. He did teach them for a while once he was risen as well. But some of his last words were really important. So Jesus says, I give you this new command. Love each other deeply and fully. You know, this is not a surprise to the disciples. It wasn't Jesus' first teaching and like, whoa, where did that come from? It's like, no, he, his days were marked with love for people. He taught them many times. Love each other. Love one another as you love yourself. Love your enemies. You know, we can sum up a lot of Jesus' teachings, not all of them, but we can sum up a lot by, you know, just love each other all the time. Anyone else struggle with that? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I don't know. But like, sometimes I'm just struggling to keep up with the random things that need to be done every day. I have two teenagers and they eat a lot and we got to feed them. And, you know, we have to remember the appointments and get to work on time. And it's a struggle sometimes to just do the random daily expectations of life. It is overwhelming to think that we need to love everybody all the time. And not just like say that we love it. Love deeply and fully. Love the people who betray us. Love the people who deny that they even knew us. Love the people who, in our moments of need, aren't there. (sighs) Love the person I'm married to. Love my kids. Maybe you're thinking, I'm just struggling to love my parents. They're really annoying right now. I'm struggling to love my siblings. Hello! Like... (laughs) I don't know if you've ever had siblings that were hard to love. Like, sometimes it's harder just, hard to just love the people who we're expected to, that we interact with every day. Maybe you're just struggling to love yourself. And you want me to love people deeply and fully. The hard to love. How is this possible? How is this even sustainable? There are so many amazing humans that God has made. There's so many incredible people in our worlds. How are we supposed to love everyone before we physically just tap out and say, that's too many people, I can't love everybody. 
But love is what we are called to. Oh, and loving the people who vote differently than you. I'll just say that, and then I'll walk away from it. We'll move on. Don't worry, I'm not going to stay there. Sometimes it feels like too much to be asked. We can be tired and worn out, and people are hard to love. I am hard to love. I tell you, I am hard to live with sometimes. I am hard to love. And then we have a new neighbor move in, and then I have to love them now, too. It's like, but was it good that I just loved one of my neighbors that lived next to me one time? Can that just be my check mark, love to my neighbor, moving on? But no, we get new neighbors, and we have a lot of people on our street. You know, there is a lot that can feel like just another draining obligation. Maybe that's why you moved out to the country. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> Less neighbors. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to call you out. <laughs> You're very loving. I know that. I know that I can pick on you, yes. But I don't know about you, but sometimes my selfish, self-focused side comes out in full force. And I think I loved people really well for a couple days, then I got tired. But if we follow the words of Jesus, we're supposed to be loving and caring and serving one another. Yes, that's what we're supposed to do. Oh man, does anybody else get overwhelmed and you're thinking, do we actually need another message on loving each other? Do we need to hear it again? Man, it's so hard. But let's read the rest of this verse because Jesus didn't just give a command. He also gave the how and the why. So Jesus said, this, I give you a new command. Love each other deeply and fully. Remember the ways that I have loved you and demonstrate your love for others in those same way. And everyone will know that you are my followers if you demonstrate your love for others. You know, I feel that there's a couple of important keys that Jesus shows us in this verse. So how, how, when we're depleted, when we're overwhelmed, when we're feeling like it's not a sustainable pace, how can we love each other? The first one is to remember the ways that I loved you. Jesus has washed our feet. And that's a metaphor. I get it. We need to reflect and think about what this looks like for us. How has Jesus washed your feet? How has he washed your feet? You know, we can't wash the feet of the world unless we've actually had our feet washed by Jesus. Because the power and the energy and the strength to love people comes from him. The power to love your coworker, the power to love your sibling, the power to love your new neighbors, again, comes from him. It starts with rehearsing and considering how God loves you. And the ultimate demonstration of love, it was initiated by God. While we were unlovable, while we were still sinners, while we had nothing of value to contribute to the relationship, he loved us not, cash, not with caution, but with extravagance. He didn't love in order to get something, but to give everything of himself. And we are sustained by his love. You know, we can't love people if we're empty. Love this quote. It says, we need an infinite stream of absolutely free, unconditional love in our hearts all the time. An infinite stream. We can't love out of our emptiness. 
it will just deplete us. But we have a constant stream of infinite love in our hearts when we receive God's love. And so when we receive that love, we can turn to offer it to those in service, because otherwise we're looking to the world to lo for love, we're looking for love, we're craving love, we have hunger for love, but if we receive that love, then we can just turn and give it. So we need to remember and we need to demonstrate our love for others in the same way. We need to put the love we've received into action. It's not just so that our hearts can be full and we know that we're loved all the time. No, we receive the love of God. We, receive, we let him wash our feet so that we can wash the feet of our world. So Jesus calls us to live this out, to love out loud. Love, it's not attraction or sentimentality. It's not just thinking happy thoughts towards people. Love is an action, and it's costly. Another quote from the book, it says, We proclaim the self-giving love of Christ that was displayed on the cross when we suffer for the sake of others. You know, sometimes loving people is suffering. It's putting ourselves last. It's taking the role of the servant. This is a lifestyle. Walking this out is a lifestyle of sacrificial and intentional love. And these actions are not just oh, look at how great of a Christian you are. Because I know, I know that each of us has a different gift and a different talent, and you probably do love people. But this is not just so that we can be good people. It's an intentionality so that people can see the love of God through us. Display the love of Christ by washing the feet of the world. It's sacrificing so others so that they may see the living analogy of God's love in us. Though I think few things are more beautiful than sacrificial love. And our, human's heart, our human hearts crave this kind of love. But we need to remember that God has loved us. And then we can demonstrate this love for others in the same way. 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Man, that's hard to do. We no longer live for ourselves, but instead they live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So how do we wash others' feet? Again, we are not bringing out basins of water and towels later because it is a meaningless act in our culture doesn't hold the same. So let's just put this, like, how do we love, how do we wash feet? When we choose to mow our neighbor's lawn, buy groceries for a struggling family, open our homes to foster children, spend our Saturdays helping a friend move, or taking the hardest assignment at work, we're functioning as a living, living analogy of the sacrificial, self-giving love of God when we put our phones away and look people in the face, when we listen, when we pick up garbage, make a meal for a family. You know, there's a thousand different ways that we can display the love of God, and I'm not giving you a to-do list. I'm not saying these are your check marks. You have to go do all of these things before noon, or you fail, because we will. We'll all fail. We don't have to do all do everything. 
But like Mike said, we utilize the gifts and the talents and the abilities and the training and the opportunities that we have to love others. And last week, Monica had um, an activity in her notes or in the notes that you might have seen or you might not have, but I want to take a minute and just look at it for a second. The blessing and brokenness activity. It's such a creative way of thinking. You know, Jesus had a basin of water and a towel and invested it into an act for the flourishing of his disciples. He used what he had and the brokenness that he saw and put them together. It was a creative display of love. So the, in, uh, like the first thing is you make a list of all the things you possess. Maybe the things that bless you, the things you use to care for yourself. Whether it's skills you've developed or training you've received, you have cooking skills or budgeting skills, you have a backyard, you have a lawnmower, you have a truck, you have, you know, you can make a list of the things that you use to care for your family, to, to bless your life. And you make another list of things that you see as broken with the world. You know, we each have a list of things that are things that we notice based on the people around us or based on the things that we see, the eyes that God's given us to have. You know, make a list of the, other th- the things that you see as broken in the world. Maybe it's poverty or racial barriers or loneliness. And we use what we've been blessed with, the things that are available in our life, to love and serve others, to address the brokenness that we see. We pair it up and come up with creative ways that l- the list one could serve list two. And you just try it. And it might be random and it might be weird and it might be like, Kayla, how can I use a truck to help poverty? Hmm. You know, it might be thinking through, through some things. You know, I love the kids last week, Kate. If you weren't here last week, the ki- there were three kids that made a lot of money. We'll just say it like that. And so they had this unexpected amount of money that just came, came into their lives. And they put it into action because they ha- there's a couple of them that have a real heart for people facing homelessness right now. And they made these baskets or these gift bags that they're like, anytime we see somebody, we're going to give it to them. So, they, so it was just a creative way for them to put into action something that was unexpected in their lives to be a blessing to an area of brokenness that they see. You know, we have an array of good things that we use for our own benefit but we can see these things as raw materials in our hands and consider how we could repurpose them for the sake of others. Because when we pour ourselves out for the sake of others, the world catches a glimpse of the God who poured himself out for us, who poured out his life on the cross for, for us. And you know, like Jesus said, this is the way to happiness. You know, there is a phenomena in giving It is backwards, it makes zero sense logically, but truly the self-giving love is where true joy is found, where abundant life is found in pouring ourselves out for others. You know, when we put this into practice, we do find happiness, but that's not the reason we do it. It's just a great byproduct. (laughs) But you know, in kneeling to to wash the feet of the world, we find Jesus is there too. And we encounter his love in an incredible way. You know, I don't know about you, I'm sure you you do as well, but I feel the most fulfilled when I'm helping others. I feel the most joy when I'm not thinking about myself at all. 
you know, I want to take a moment and just brag on our team. We have an incredible team of volunteers who live this out in many different practical ways. They pour themselves out in love for you. There is somebody right now holding your babies or playing with your toddlers or teaching your kids. And there's people who helped you park your car. And, you know, they, they pray for you. They smile and welcome you. They give their gift of leadership and organization. They share the love of God that they've received. And I just want to thank you for your faithfulness because you show us the faithfulness of God. Yeah. Thank you for the time that you give, the sacrifice of time to rehearse and prepare, the talents you share. You know, you love our church family and you welcome guests well. You don't just park cars, you don't just make coffee, you don't just watch kids or operate a camera. You display the love of God in creative ways. And I know that it's not just here because we practice on Sunday what we live out during the week. I, I get to be behind the scenes and I get to help deliver anonymous gifts sometimes to see the Christmas gift baskets given, to, to help the, the people who use their truck to help a refugee family get their home outfitted. Or, you know, I get to be involved in so many behind the scenes ways that I see our team and our family love. We don't all love the same way, but we love with what we have. And I want, I'm, this isn't, uh, we need to do better, although I guess we can always do better. But I want to say thank you, because it's important. And you don't just show people how good you are. You show people how good God is. When we pour out our lives for the sake of others, they see a God who poured himself out for, him, for us. And this is a tangible way we can continue to cultivate servants' hearts. It's so good for our soul to be unseen, <laughs> to love and serve others without being noticed. Because, um, well, God sees. God sees. And it is so true that we find joy in giving out. So Hebrews 10, 24, it says, so let's do it, full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Jesus has cleaned us. He has made us new. But let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. I love that. Let's see how inventive we can be. Like, God has given us so many gifts of creativity and brainstorming, and how inventive can we be in encouraging love and helping out? You know, we can't solve every issue. Sorry, my face is emotion emoting again. Oh, that. And we can't solve every issue. Only Jesus has the power to transform, and we are not the saviors. We are not the saviors, but we are co-workers with God, bringing his love to our world. So let's see how inventive we can be. You know, this is one of the reasons why we carve out time to, you know, that, to have silence and solitude. We have those times where we ref refill with the love of God. But we also hear the voice of God, his love for our world. We take time to notice 
the voice of our neighbor crying out. You know, if we're busy and fast-paced and living just that impatient schedule, we won't notice the brokenness. And we won't take the time to think about how God has gifted us uniquely to be a solution for that brokenness. And again, I'm not just giving you a long to-do list. But I think there's an intentionality in using what God has given us. To use the things that you see, the things that God's given you, to be that outpouring of God's love, that encouragement of God of his love to our world. Would you stand with me? I want to take a minute and just pray for people who might feel depleted. I know, um, you know, loving and giving and pouring out and if we're doing it in our own strength, sometimes we don't notice that we're doing it in our own strength until we're like pretty empty inside. And it can sneak up on us. And so I want to pray. If you're feeling like, oh my goodness, this is just too overwhelming and I don't have it to give. I want to pray for you because I know that God loves you and he sees. And he knows the circumstances of your life. He knows your anchors and the things that hold you back and the the very real circumstances that make it hard. And he sees and he cares. But he also has so much more purpose for you. He has so much more purpose for us all than to live that. You know, when you're in pain, you don't think about much more than that pain, right? It's, it's like the most selfish I am is when I hit my hand with a hammer. I don't hit my hand with a hammer, but you... <laughs> I don't hammer things. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, man. But you know, you don't think about yourself so much as when you're in pain. And so I know that times of pain... Uh, it's hard to think about of others. But God wants to heal those moments, those pieces of brokenness, those places where we've experienced betrayal and we've experienced maybe the disappointment of loving people. I really believe God wants to heal that today. So would you pray with me? Well, actually, I'm going to pray for you, for us. Father, thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you that you do love us, that you take us from wherever we are at. You have initiated this beautiful love, and you've displayed it in so many ways, but through the sacrificial love of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that your love transforms us. Lord, I thank you. You know the circumstances of our life. You know the pain. You know the hurt. You know the times when we loved people and felt so much disappointment. Lord, I pray your healing would just bring your restoration to those pains so that we can love again, so we can be that outpouring of love. Lord, I know we can't love from our emptiness. We need to love from the fullness that we've received. And Lord, I just pray that that fullness of your love, the revelation of your love would just transform and heal every heart. In Jesus' name. You know, I talked a lot about the love of God today. And if you don't know, there is a God who loves you. If you are maybe far from God, you don't know it, you're here as a guest, the church is not the thing you do, we want to say God still loves you as well. Before you even knew he existed, he loved you. And he cares so deeply for his creation that he launched a rescue mission and put his love on display 
through the life of Jesus, through the suffering, not for the deserving, but for every single one, that while we were still God's enemies, he died for us. You know, we crave that kind of sacrificial love, and it is something we all desperately need. There is a deep longing in every single person's heart, and no human love will ever fill it. We need the love of God. And so I want to invite you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never received that gift of his love, would you pray with me? We're all going to pray together because we don't want you to feel singled out or anything, but this, if this is a prayer that you're praying for the first time, God knows and he hears. And I really believe that he's going to flood your life with his love and change you. So Lord, would you, would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that you love me, that you gave yourself for me. I pray that you would help me to understand that love, to receive it, and let it change me. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.